Welcome to 30 Minutes to Wealth, the show that teaches you how to build wealth through real estate. Our company, ProFunds Mortgages, has assisted real estate investors in achieving wealth for over two decades. Over the next 30 minutes, we're going to share some of our key strategies in real estate with you, right here on 30 Minutes to Wealth. Hi, I'm Carmen and this is Jordan. Welcome to 30 Minutes to Wealth. The show that teaches you how to build wealth through real estate. Today on the show, we are excited to welcome an investor who at the age of 34 owns 14 properties in the greater Toronto area by following a very specific strategy. Saul has over $16 million worth of real estate, and he's coming on to show us his secrets. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's going to be a really awesome episode. We're so, um, we're so blessed that you're here to talk to us about your experience in buying real estate in Toronto, which is one of the most expensive markets in the world, let alone Canada. So right. to start, talk to us about how you got started. I know real estate wasn't something you were always um, investing in. So uh, it all started like right after I came to Canada when I was uh, 17. So I went straight to university, I went to Laurier. After Laurier, I did finance and uh, I got the dream job. I went to straight to Wall Street. I was doing investment banking. So straight out of school, when you're majoring in finance and you spend a lot of money in your in your education, that's the job you think you get. That's and the you're dream like, job. Exactly, yeah. you thought yeah. you made it. So a year, year and a half into it, I think the reality hit me that this was not, it didn't resonate with me at all. And I missed my friends back home, the people that I've met in the last over four or five years in Toronto. So I missed, missed the city. So the plan uh, was to just come back and figure it out from there. So all I wanted, all I knew was that I didn't want to wear a suit and I didn't want a job that, in, like, you know, had that you're sitting behind the desk. And were yeah. you working a lot of hours exactly. as well? I was working a lot of hours in banking. They say it's not nine to five, it's five to nine. So I was doing that. So I put in the grind and you know, the money was good. And I saved up a lot. I paid off my student debt within a year and a half. So long story short, I decided to come back and I wanted to get into a sales role. So I uh, got a job with Nestle Canada, took a huge pay cut, but at least I wasn't behind a desk. And from there, the plan was to figure it out. And that's when I decided to buy a condo for myself. And that's how it started at the age of uh, 23, 24, when I started getting into like, okay, I need to buy not waste money on rent and I need to buy something for myself. And this is how I got into starting researching for uh, the first property that I purchased. So talk to us about that first property, because sure. that was kind of, you know, what, what spearheaded, you know, right. you getting into buying all these other properties and now building up a, an amazing portfolio in Toronto. So yeah. talk to us about this, this sure. first property. So I had about uh, 80,000 saved in the year and a half, two years that I worked in, in Wall Street. And when I came back, the plan was to get a condo. Plan was to get a two bedroom condo and then have a roommate move in and manage my expenses, right? Mm -hmm. That was a smart thing to do at the time. So uh, I started looking at these two bedroom condos in the Young and Shepherd, Midtown, Toronto area. Yep. And at the time, the gap between the detached homes and condo was very small. So I could get a two bedroom condo for like about $500,000, $480,000. And I noticed that the detached homes right behind the Young Street were about, about five hundred dollars to 550000 To me, like, you know, I feel like land is always king when it comes to real estate. Yeah. Right away, I was like, you know what, if I buy this really rundown bungalow and I live in the basement, the numbers made sense that if I rent out the top, I could have somebody almost pay my mortgage and live for free. Yep. So I did exactly that. And um, 
So I bought my first property for $515,000. It was a 50-foot lot, small bungalow, big piece of lot, moved into the basement, put about $10,000 into the basement. And, uh, you know, when I spent all the money into the house, at this point, I'm going back to being completely broke. Well, how much is that house worth today? Just curious. 1.6 to 1.7 million. Whoa. Yeah. And it's already sold. So in 2016 is when I sold that house and I cleared an exact $1 million profit, but without putting any much into the house. And how many years did you have it? Six years. So 2010 to 2016. Well, that's uh, a nice start. It's yeah, that's cash flow. You know, it was breaking even since day one. Yeah, uh, didn't lose a renter in a day because the location was amazing. You're walking distance to the TTC. Wow. And given that the infrastructure in Toronto, it, you know, the connectivity to downtown still is, you know, needs a lot of work. Yeah. Anything around the subway to buy made sense for me to, uh, you know. Do you wish you kept that property now? Uh, no, I think I took a lot of equity out and the money that I took out from there ended mm-hmm. up buying four properties in 2016. So wow. I put it right back into real estate. So as much as I like to hold properties, at some given point, you have to pull the equity out to grow, right? right? I agree. So I yeah. feel like if I put in a hundred, 120,000 into this house and it's giving me a million dollars clearing, I can take that much equity and reinvest it and grow in areas that are... Because mm-hmm. one of the important things is that my entire philosophy is that you have to look for areas that are growing and not saturated. So when a property hits the saturation point, to me, is like how much further growth is there? So how do you determine that? So that's a great question again. So one of the things, there's a few metrics that I look at, right? So my thing has always been the 20% rule. So for example, if you're putting 20% into a property and you're taking a loan from an A lender and the cash flows are still not breaking even, to me, that's one of the signs that it's a little overvalued. Mm. And North York in 2010, 20% down, you're easily breaking even your cash flow renting the two units, which is upstairs and downstairs. Versus mm. today, if you put in you buy a property for 1.5 million, there's no way in hell you're end up breaking even a cash flow. That to me an indication that the area is demanding premium. And that to me is an indication that it's attracting more end users who are willing to pay that premium to be in that area. So just to confirm, so you're saying you need to come in with a 20% down payment. And if it does not cash flow with that, with an A lender bank, with an A lender bank, then it's not something that you would That's right. So as an investor, you at the minimum want to break even. I think feeding a property too much, uh, like, you know, seven, eight, nine hundred dollars per month, it defeats the purpose of an investment. So for me, it's very important to always focus on where is the areas growing. Especially in Toronto, because I know, I mean, you, you can buy these condos and you can bank on appreciation, but so many people, they're just not seeing the cash flow there because right. they're purchasing already at such high price points. Right? Absolutely. Uh, I think it's, it's very important to look at a property and say, if I were to put 20% down, mm-hmm. would the cash flows break even or not? If it's not, that's one of the indicators that I'll look at and I'll say, okay, I feel like their saturation point is about to reach. Mm-hmm. So you move into an area and you switch. So over the course of my 10 years, I've switched into four major neighborhoods. So once, you know, I buy in growing areas, when it reaches a saturation point, you go on to the next. I can tell you another metrics that I look at. Yeah, because I know yeah, you say it. that you continually beat the market yes. by double digits. 14% so if you look is, at my 10 year Yeah, so that is so cool. So yeah, talk to us about your strategies for, for picking these areas to invest in. Sure, so 2010 to 2016, uh, for example, you're on a plane, throw a dart anywhere in Toronto, properties increase, right? Mm-hmm. Average being about 8 to 12%. If as an investor, you're also going at 8 to 
to 12%, I think you're no one special. It's always about how you can beat the market. Some of the trends that I look at in a neighborhood is, for example, and I'm talking specifically bungalows, residential property. Mm -hmm. So when I look at certain areas, let's go back in 2010 in Young and Shepherd neighborhood, for example, North Mm -hmm. York neighborhood. You see a lot of these second world war bungalows where it's like bungalow, bungalow, bungalow. At that time, Mm -hmm. I think 60 to 80% of the area was all bungalows. Right. If you go there today, you see 60 to 80 percent of the area new houses. Right. So at the time, I felt like if one of the metrics that I learned from that is that if an area has less than 30 percent homes, uh, new homes, but let's say one out of every five homes should be a new house. So you mm-hmm. see bungalow, 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 mm-hmm. big house, bungalow, 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 big house. That to me an area of transition, yes. which means that you have enough validation that a builders are still buying up these bungalows, selling them at a really high premium prices mm-hmm. versus an area that's all new homes, you feel like yes. it's already reached There's that not saturation much there point. Anymore. Got it. So what do you drive around looking for neighborhoods? Like, how do you find them? Yeah, I'm a little crazy, so I, I do that. So, I, you know, for me, like, uh, I'm not a morning person. I, yeah. I start my day around like 10, 12 o'clock, but I work through the night. So mm-hmm. I'll work till like 8, 9 o'clock. And sometimes I can't help it. I'll take the drive. Yeah, I'll take the drive. I'll, you know, walk the streets. Because after you've been doing this for like one years, two years, three years, almost 10 years, you have to let your instincts also determine certain things. Hugely. I think it's a big one. The first question you want to say is that if I buy a property for an X amount today, is someone willing to pay me 2X tomorrow? Mm -hmm. So if you look at your target market, three types of buyers, end users, investors, and builders. Right. The, The three people that will end up buying those bungalows from you. I like to buy property that caters to all three people, which mm-hmm. is you know builder. Does he see the bungalow and see say if I put a new house, will a person be willing to move into this neighborhood at a higher price point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. An investor, if I put twenty percent down, will I break even my cash flow? And an end user, which is the other factors, here twenty to fifteen to twenty minutes from Toronto. How is my commute to downtown? Are the schools good? Are the parks good? Et cetera, et cetera. Right. So, so do you only ever buy fifteen to twenty minute radius from Toronto? You'd never venture outside. So with traffic without traffic but yeah because yeah. that could that could it's starting to get really bad bit, in Toronto right? now. depending it's, it's on the a, traffic yeah. so what I would say is yes I've never purchased a property that has less that has more than 30 minutes commute to downtown and that's one of the big business models for me is that whether it's with highways public transit you want to be in downtown within 15 to 20 minutes mm. I'm not buying in the core and I'm not buying in saturated areas but I still think that there are areas in Toronto that support that 15 to 20 minute commute and you can still buy really good freehold bungalows for less than a million dollars. I mean, people can still make money in secondary other markets. It's just your focus is specifically Toronto. Yeah, you're and this very is specific your specific strategy. Yeah, this is your strategy to creating your wealth. Absolutely. Very interesting. Simply because I invest in properties that are poised towards accelerated equity growth. Do I have enough reasons on the table today that I can say that this property is going to go from you know, an X amount to two X or three X amount. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about speculating the market. I'm not talking about sitting there and saying, you know, is the market going to appreciate and then I will make the money. It's like you have to have at least five to 10 reasons why you think this property is going to appreciate just because of the local factors. Mm-hmm. And that I see in Toronto, right? With mm-hmm. that tech industry, with, yeah. uh, you know, I even sit with, for example, I've taken immigration lawyers for, for lunch. And I'll just sit with them and say, what kind of people are moving in? What is their, what, what, awesome. what do they ask for? And every single time I'll sit with an immigration lawyer, he'll say the same thing. They all go into like different areas. Mm-hmm. But once they get the immigration, they all try to migrate back into Toronto. That's where the money is. That's where an immigrant or, you know, we have more than 150 to 200,000 people moving into the, you know, yes. the, the province every year. Yep. So 
all these people, when they come from, uh, you know, South America, China, India, or whatever, they want to be where they feel at home. And diversity is also in Toronto. Mm -hmm. So when they come into Toronto, they don't feel like they're, you know, out, they feel a little bit more in their comfort zone versus putting them into areas like Barrie or Burlington yeah. or all those areas, for Excellent. example. Well, we have to go to break, unfortunately. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be a great show. So sure. stay tuned. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Jordan, this is Carmen. Welcome back to 30 Minutes to Wealth. We're here with our guest, Sile, and we're just talking about a really very interesting topic, and yeah. it's about buying in the greater Toronto area. Which a lot of people think, oh my gosh, it's way too expensive. We can't buy there anymore. Yeah. But you're saying... There is still possibility, I think which so. is great. I think, uh, obviously, there are some people who don't have anything saved up, and you have to have some amount of equity saved up as a down payment. But I think joint ventures is one of the great ways that I've grown my portfolio. Out of the 16 properties that I own, mm -hmm. seven are joint ventures. Mm -hmm. So, uh, But it's very important to make sure that with joint ventures, like it can either be an amazing synergy or it could be a disaster, oh, yeah. right? So it's important to know and have the homework done before you go and sit and start pitching this as a joint ventureship to someone yeah. else. You do hear about horror stories oh, those usually are right? rushed, right? Yes. Yeah. And they don't have an agreement. And it's just a, a, an understanding. And then that person's perspective and your perspective is different. And they might not be wrong. It's just, you know, I've seen a lot of that happen. So Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've partnered with some of the friends from you in university that I went with. And you'll see that I have a 12-page proper joint venture agreement mm -hmm. with every per single person that lays down what are our goals? What are the acquisition stage? Who's responsible for property management? What if this happens? What if this happens? Every single thing is laid down in the joint ventureship. If you have your goals aligned mm -hmm. and if you both are on the same page mm -hmm. and then you go ahead and start doing a joint ventureship, I think it's really good and it can be an amazing synergy and it can be a great way to grow. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if you're not doing that preliminary homework, if you're not having that conversation beforehand, then of course it can be messy. It's like just like any other business partnership. Oh, yeah. So when I sit down and I say, OK, you know what? I'm maxed out with my mortgages. I need to grow. I, so I need to, first of all, partner with people who are very well qualified with a lenders. Right? Or That's very the, uh, qualified mortgage brokers. Exactly. Or somebody who <laughs> yeah, just... You can get you yeah. more than five mortgages. But anyway, okay. Yeah, so it's somebody who's like a little bit also hands-off because I think it's good to have one person who's yeah. leading the thing. So, for example, I, I have joint ventureships with a partner who's a doctor. Right. He's been a, and we have three properties together mm -hmm. and he's got he's an amazing person on paper, gets qualified every single time. Wow, so, that's great. you know, we, we do joint ventureship together and he's trust my judgment. I've provided amazing returns in our joint yeah. ventureships. But still, every single property, we will still have that 12 page agreement laid out every single stage. Yeah. And I really liked your your model where. You do not go, you have 50% loan to value on your portfolio, which yeah. means the mortgages do not exceed 50% of the value of your, of your real estate. Right. How many people do that? Like, I mean, yeah. it's against what I typically do. I like the concept because it's low risk, but you could take so much more money out of those properties and then reinvest. So Absolutely. it's very and different. I'm actually not putting the 50% down. I'm always putting 20. But right. the goal is that when you're at 80% loan to value and the property is appreciating, not so just because much. of the fact that yeah. the market support is there. When there's market support, it's a party for everybody. Right? Yes. If you already own real estate. Right. But even, like I go beyond market and I don't like I have enough reasons to say that I'm going to beat this market. And I'm going to also be risk averse when the market shifts. Right. Which is why to me, freehold property in the core mm -hmm. is always a better location because downtown still has to support 600,000 jobs and growing. Yes. So, you know, freehold property in Toronto, I think five to 10 years from today, 
it's going to be like Manhattan. It's going to be impossible to own. It's going to be, you know, a luxury. It's crazy to, to You're imagine me, what it's going to be like. Yeah, he's exactly. giving me the edge to buy. I know. I want to go buy. I mean, yeah. So, it's, it. so my goal long term is to make sure that I maintain a very good, healthy, stable portfolio at sixty-five percent. Beautiful. That's the rule. That's the goal. So when I say awesome. I have 50% today, it means I'm ready to go and buy and bring it up to 15% if and when I need to. That's right. So it's just a matter of finding deals. And But 65% is my golden rule. Like I want to get there at some right. point in my life. Excellent. Right. And then I just say, okay, you have enough to live by and then I can move into GTA if I need to. Now, how hard is it to find a deal and how aggressive do you have to be when you're putting in your offers? I say 50% of the homework is done in your office. When you sit down and you start mm-hmm. making a business plan, like first of all, you need to have a joint venture partner ready. Mm-hmm. Sit down with him and explain him and narrow your search down to the T. Like, you know, there's so many networking events. There's so much on social media. I can easily confuse someone. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, how do you find a joint venture partner? Well, now I'm, you know, blessed enough or lucky enough that a lot of people will come to me and say, look, we want to do exactly what you're doing. And I vet them very seriously. Like, have you yeah. bought a property before? Do you have the temperament of being a real mm-hmm. estate investor? Let's sit down and make sure our goals are aligned. This is what I have to do. This is what you have to do. That's the agreement. When all of that is done and we're ready to buy and now, now it's just up to me to search, then I say it's all about momentum, right? I feel like people jump to that conclusion too quick. Like, oh my God, this area is too quick. Let's start, stop looking and go somewhere else or give up too easily. If you had your model to the T and you keep that momentum and you watch that little neighborhood and narrow it down, not just the area, but also the neighborhood, but also the streets that support that bungalow, bungalow, bungalow and growing area. I go right down to the streets. And then uh, I've even gone as far as like, if I already know where I'm going to buy, I don't want to wait for something to come on the market. I'll start knocking doors. Yeah. So that's, a great option. that's how yeah. actually, so I've bought four or five properties in my portfolio just from door knocking myself. Well, yeah. I'll go in and I'll say, look, I'm an agent in the area. I have a buyer looking to buy and I never disclose that I'm the buyer. So I always say I'm the agent and I have a buyer. Are you an agent? Yeah, I am. Okay. So I've been helps. a Remax Hall of Fame yeah, agent for the last four years. I've ah. done really well because a lot of people started coming up to me and saying the same thing. You're doing really well. Can you do it for us? I'm like, I love sales. I'm already doing real estate. Might as well transition. Right. But I only 90% of the investors that I work with are all investors. So I'm specifically focusing on people who are looking to grow portfolios. Mm -hmm. And that way, homework that I'm doing for myself, I'm just passing it on to them as an agent. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about a case study because I think we've talked so much about the exciting stuff you've done. Let's actually dig into some of the numbers Mm -hmm. to show people, you know, a scenario of what this looks like. So talk to us about the the property we're going to. Sure. So I think the case study that we have is uh, in an area called New Toronto. Uh, it's in South Etobicoke, W06 is the, is the area, and it's about 15 to 20 minutes from Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why in the last four or five years, I've also, like, it's not just important to look at the economics or the numbers. I also follow trends. Mm-hmm. So for me, like, buying property closer to the water has become a big fat of mine. A lot of the properties that I'm buying now are closer to the lake with that same distance to downtown. Right. So after North York, I went into the upper beaches, which is on the east side. Mm-hmm. From there, I went into the west side. So I'm trying to stay as south as possible near Lake Ontario with easy access to downtown. Right. So that's property is specifically in New Toronto. I purchased it for $615,000 mm-hmm. in 2015. Uh, I bought it with a partner, the same doctor partner that I have, and we both put 60000 down. So it was like 20%. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a old bungalow that also has a separate entrance to the basement. Mm-hmm. And uh, from downstairs, I'm getting about 1200 Upstairs, I'm getting about 2150 Did you do any renovation work to the property? Barely. Or? So I put a kitchenette in the basement. So maybe about $15,000. Okay, and cool. that's one of the things too. Mm-hmm. Like when you're buying a property, you obviously want to stay away from paying a premium for that 
overly done renovated job, right? So for for me, I will only put in enough dollars that helps me maximizes the rent. So you buy properties that are run down, you come in, you put in a little bit of work, as long as the rents can be maximized and be market rent, you do the renovation up to that point. So we put in about $120,000 in down payment, some money into renovations and our cash flow outflow every month is about 2,600. I rent the upstairs for $2,150. I rent the basement for $1,200. So I'm cash positive on this specific property. Mm-hmm. And the value of the property today is close to a million dollars. Wow. Because any bungalows that are over 30 foot lots today are selling for a million bucks there. Wow. So you can see the equity appreciation has yeah, been so good. And we actually did really well when there was a little slowdown in 2017 to 18. And the good thing is that in that time, everybody's like panicking. The sentiment started going down. They're like, government is putting enough regulations. What do we do? The good thing that happened out of that is that everybody who owned property, if you're not going towards buying property, a lot of people went towards renting them. Mm-hmm. So my cash flows yeah. got really bad. Well, Carmen always too. talks about that approach yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't sell anything in those two years. For yeah. me, it's like my location. Recession proof. Exactly. Yeah, I think as long as you have cash flow, you're okay. Exactly. Because yeah. you don't, I mean, obviously it's fantastic that your property grew in value so much, yes. but if it doesn't necessarily meet those, yeah. at least you're cash flowing and you're able to cover it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Covers your mortgage. So and my mortgage balance now is 450. The property value is about a million dollars and I'm right ready to refinance and go buy something else and still keep my cash flows breaking even because I've now gained positive. But one of the things that I always do before I refinance is I make sure that the tenant has been turned over, right? Mm -hmm. So I'll wait for the tenant to, I'll time it according my refinance, according to the time that the tenant leaves and I can get a market rent. I can show higher cash flow. So not only it's better for me to get more loan, but at the Mm -hmm. same time, I can make sure my cash flow still remain to be break even. Yeah, that's wonderful. I know interest rates too are, are, coming down. And according to an economist we had a a discussion with, he was on our show. Um, It seems to me that our rates will continue to go down. So this is great. It's perfect environment for us to buy. Yeah. And this is just some of the things you got to be on the side. You have to work with the right experts. You have to have the right mortgage agents on your team. You have to have the right renovation guy who understands that this is just for a rental property, where to cut corners, where to not. Mm -hmm. You have to have the right contract. You have to have the right designers. It's a lot of work. It's not so simple. And that's why I don't try to be jack of all trades and I don't try to do everything myself. I hire the right people, hire the right experts, even though it might seem like it costs you a little bit up front, you have to know in real estate to work with the right people. Yeah, I think that's so important. Totally they They take half the work off your plate. Yes. Right? So. Yeah, you can't do it all. Exactly. And, you know, I try to do it all, but you can't. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, constant struggle. So we're, we're, our episode's almost up. So do you have any last kind of thoughts that you would like to share with people if they're, if they're looking to get started as well? Any tips or um, any recaps sure. on what do you think is kind of the best courses of action that people should take in wanting to buy in trouble? Absolutely. I think... Everybody should, you know, we always say location, location, location. It's not just enough to say this is a good location. You have to have real reasons to support location. Locations should be focused on TTC or public transits, highways. Where is the trend going? Studying the streets. When you have that kind of backup and you become an investor that you're now not worried about the market changes and your business model is technically market proof, Mm -hmm. that's when you know that you're a better investor than the rest. Right. That's how you separate yourself. I love that. And when it comes to financing, when it comes to like, how do I get that entrance point? If you can't manage it on your own, find the right JV partner. It's 100 percent out there. I started with absolutely nothing with no family or no backup. So for me, if I can do it, a lot of youngsters can do it. And I started at 24 as well. Find the partner. Do your research. If you've got a good idea, you'll always have a partner who's ready to partner with you. So one last question. When are you going to retire? <laughs> Look, 
I, I love real estate. I'm yeah. very passionate about it. I now work with a lot of investors who are in the market to build their portfolios. I lo- and I am now, because I'm getting into the development side of things, Maybe you're just, starting. I'm just I just love it, right? Yeah. The design part. So I think at some point you stop doing it for the money. You do it because you enjoy it. Of and course, the, the terms yeah. of doing it have been different. Like yeah. I said, I'm very vocal about the fact that I don't get out of bed till 10, right? Yeah. So I, but I start my day late and that's the kind of freedom that you have. But you still have to, I still love what I do and I still love spending time doing real estate. So yes. as of now, no retirement plans. I think the, <laughs> right now I'm just focused yeah. on growing more. Great. And, you know, getting better at what I do and meeting great people like you in the industry. And that's, yeah. that's fun. Yeah, I have a great passion for it as well. We both do, so we can totally exactly. relate. So you know exactly what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's actually an addiction. <laughs> yeah, it's not the destination, it's the journey. If you start it enjoying is. that and you just forget about, hey, when am I going to retire? I can retire tomorrow if I want, but right. why would I? No. It's so much fun. Yeah, I agree. So. It's it's all about loving it exactly. so much. But yeah. I think our time is up. Yeah, awesome. thank you so much for coming on today. You had so many amazing little points and, and information that I think everyone's just going to absolutely love to, yeah. to hear yeah, that. absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Mm-hmm. If you are interested in learning more about real estate investing, you can go to 30minutestowealth.com for the rest of our episodes. That's it. Our 30 minutes are up. Go create wealth.